Hi, welcome to the latest episode of our myth-busting second season of the Accidental Marketer podcast. Um, I'm Mary Abazia, and with me are my colleagues, Tom Spitali. Hey, Mary. Hi, and Sean Wellham. I like the way you're doing that, Mary, because every other time we just speak over each other and try and say hi at the same time. So good improvement. Oh, thank you. I want you each to have your own time to talk because you have a lot of cool things to say. So, um, you know, we often hear when we're working with our clients, if we narrow our focus too much, we won't grow our business. So if we if we narrow too much, we won't grow our business. So the myth that we want to bust today is this idea that targeting reduces our opportunities for growth. Okay. So, um, Tom, can you, can you help us understand this? Is this logical? Is it wrong? What are your thoughts on this one? Well, I think it's both logical and wrong, Mary. <laughs> okay. I mean, the, the math, the math says that, you know, the myth is right. The, the math says that I've got, you know, a big target market that I can define and if I decide that I'm going to focus on less than that entire target market, the math says I'm going to reduce my opportunities to sell and therefore my opportunities for growth. But the irony of all of this was behind one of the most popular chapters in our book that we called the magnetic effect of focus. When it comes to strategic marketing, the idea of focusing too big across so many potential clients and customers that there's such a diversity of needs that you sort of water down your value proposition, you end up not meaning anything to anyone. Conversely, what we have found is that companies who have a very defined value proposition that's tailored to a subset of their entire target market, a segment, if you will, and do it extremely well, have a very ironic effect on their business. That ironic effect is that, that not only do they dominate that segment that they've decided to focus on, if they do it very, very well, they tend to draw in other segments that aren't necessarily targeted by the value proposition, just because they're so unique, they're so different, there's so much buzz around what they're doing. And you know, the poster child for this is, is, is what Apple did you know, originally, um, that they, they actually end up growing. So that's kind of the magnetic effect of focus. Uh, I wanna know what you guys think about all that, what you guys have observed, is that, is that crazy or have you seen the same thing? Yeah, I think from my perspective, Tom, it's one of those, um, you know, you often can't do everything. I had a boss once and she was uh, she was a pretty tough character. I still occasionally wake up with a cold sweat thinking of her 20 years later. But she used to say this one thing that I, I kind of got, which was if you can't do everything, do something well. If you've got too much to do, just pick what you're going to do and do it really well. And that's the sort of focus idea in, in a different context. And, and and often businesses have so much opportunity. And sure, there are cases where a mass market approach is the right approach, but they're just not as common as, as the idea that you've got this entire market where you could attack. But if you if you spend time focusing on areas where you have something better to say, where you have a uh, an advantage or you have a 
an ability to communicate, then then sticking with that smaller subset of the market will yield you more than attacking the whole market and doing it all poorly, as per my my example from earlier. That that's how I see it. It it it's, it, it makes completely intuitive sense to me that if you if you don't have the opportunity, then then focus will get you a, a high yield from a smaller a smaller target group. Mm, that's good. You know, I I think about examples, and you know, we have we have a couple of companies that we've worked with in the past um, that have done a good job and said, okay, we're not right for everyone. But um, one of the drug companies said, we're good when these other ones aren't working for your patients. And, you know, this is the one to try. And they really define that niche and make it clear for, in this case, it was a doctor. And then on the opposite side, you look at Kmart and they tried to be everything to everyone and they just pretty much became nothing to no one or everything to no one. Um, <laughs> no one bought from Kmart anymore. And it's, um, it's, it's sad when you see a company that makes a very conscious decision to not try to narrow that focus and, and you can kind of just see their stock kind of implode a lot of times. So, um, and the other one that I thought did it well is, um, John Deere, you know, they, they really do have a great big business in farming equipment and yet they wanted to go after a smaller group, which was, um, you know, the, the small farmers and, um, they had a campaign get down to dirt and they really did. They made it very relevant for that small target. They didn't try to be that big tractor company, but they, they embraced that smaller target. So you can be a big one. And if you're going to pick a smaller one, be very conscious about it and treat them very differently. As you're saying, that magnetic effect of focus with that smaller group. So, um, but Mary, anyway, you know, I, 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 we also see the reverse effect of this magnetic effect of focus and, and what leaps to mind is actually Walmart. Um, every time, you know, that Walmart tries to sort of move upstream and offer um, uh, goods that are appealing to, I, I guess, um, you know, um, a higher income demographic than what is like their typical target market, they fail because people have an established idea of what Walmart does very well, and that is operational excellence, the lowest everyday price. And so when that's what they want, that's where they go. But it doesn't make sense to people when Walmart says, hey, let's try to draw in um, these other segments by moving upscale with our value proposition. Mm-hmm. And that is that is a, that is an issue with companies that have a really strong established, um, you know, market value proposition like Walmart. Totally agree, Sean. What do you think? You know, I, I was thinking through the 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 idea of how focus is perceived when we talk about it to client companies and to our, our broader network. And one thing I sometimes find is is that. Well, it's a couple of things. One, focus and diversification are seemed as 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 opposite ends of a of a business strategy. You know, should we be trying to get as much diversity in product range, in customers, in in geographies, or should we focus down? They're not necessarily mutually exclusive. Is the first thing, and and the other thing is you can have. Well, I, I believe you can have. I'll see what you guys think. You can have a sort of multiple focus strategy if you're the size of business that has specific products or even brands 
that are targeted at a certain area. You, each each business unit has a laser focused. You know, if you could be like a consumer goods business with toothpaste or soap powder, you as a business unit have that focus, but the business could have multiple focus areas, right? So you could have a very diverse business that practices focus strategies at individual business unit level. Do you see what I mean? They're not necessarily mutually exclusive. I, I think that's something that is sometimes misunderstood when when we're not saying that diversification or multiple products or markets is a bad thing per se, but we're really talking at the business unit level, aren't we? That's how I see it. Yeah, Tom? Yeah, I think that you're right. And we see many businesses that have um, you know a diverse focus and call on different target markets where they run into problems is where their brand stands for their, you know, their overarching brand or their go-to-market brand stands for something that's fixed in the minds of the entire target market. And that's when they have difficulty having diverse value propositions. Where I see business-to-business organizations um, uncovering more potential for a diverse approach, such as the kind that you're describing, and, and have legitimately seen work in some places, Sean, where mm-hmm. they do take this approach that some of the consumer uh, companies do, where they sort of create a house of brands rather than a branded house. In other words, mm-hmm. they have the opportunity to mean different things to different target markets and have diverse value propositions, but sometimes they're reticent to do that under a different brand name, where I've think that that really unlocks the potential for these diverse units to do something that means something to customers. Yeah, it's like like focus at scale, isn't it? I mean, it's not for everybody, but it's just worth mentioning because sometimes we, we can oversimplify and say it's one thing or the other. And I think that's very true. You, you've got all the issues that you described, Tom, but there's there's definitely potential to um, to build that, that, uh, that, that those different brands and, and, and even different teams if you have the scale and the opportunity to do that. Yeah. And the other area I find with focus is sometimes um, when I used to run sales teams, we used to, and you'll have heard this, this designation between hunting and farming as two sort of philosophical approaches to selling, farming being getting the most out of the existing customer base, um, account management, if you like, and 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 hunting being this this uh, off, off to bag a, a new customer to win new business, and and sometimes focus seems to imply that it's about um, squeezing more more juice out of the lemon that you already have, and of course that's not necessarily the case. The focus strategy is is preceded by targeting and possibly segmenting, right? So so you're you can still look at a pretty untapped market while pursuing a focused strategy. It's not the same as just sticking with what you have today. It's in some ways sticking with what's similar to what you have today because that's where you you know the most and you can add the most value. So you, be careful that focus doesn't hem you in of just dealing with who you've already dealing with, right? Yeah, I want to add to what you're saying too. I think you bring up a good point. Um, Marriott is a good example where as a corporation, you know, they obviously are, are giving, you know, there's, they're making hotel rooms and um, places for people to stay available. But I think how they unlocked it was that they did a great big segmentation study across all of their businesses and then use the segmentation as a way to sort out what brands matched the type of segments and vice versa. And that's how they did try to figure out the lemonade for each of those different brands. Now, you know, now that they've they've um, acquired Starwood, there's going to be even 
more of a challenge because they've brought more into their fold that they have to figure out how, you know, how they serve these different customers. But I think that segmentation is the how to do what you're describing, Sean, is, is how do I unlock that and start to sort it out? It's, it goes back to that wonderful segmentation as a starting point, probably. So. Yeah, I agree. Segmentation is, is key, but I think the idea then that perhaps, and this is heresy, right? maybe some of those segments we need to ignore. <laughs> that's yep. the most difficult part. And that's the part that when you take it into the boardroom as part of your plan gets a lot of pushback because now mathematically what you have done is that you have um, you know, eliminated part of the potential target market. But the fact of the matter is, is that when you understand that different segments want different things and you then match that up with what, the organization does well, their critical capabilities. And I think this is kind of what Sean, what you were just saying is that, you know, there's, there's certain things that an organization does very well. It's part of their DNA. And by matching up the segments that match very well with the company's critical capabilities and, um, you know, asking yourself, how do I grow and dominate that segment? A lot of times, what it leads to is trying to figure out how you can sell more to that segment and find new products for that segment rather than this mindset of, as an organization, I'm going to create new products and then trying to find more customers for that product, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah, absolutely. I want to say something on this one, Sean, is, um, is when Tom was saying about the products, I think that we, what we hear a lot of times is people get so focused around those products that just your example of lemonade, the services are really key. Once you get deep into a group that you're focused on, all of a sudden, there are a lot more things you can do with that lemonade. You know, you can provide a different way of distributing it. You can um, put it in different packages. You can give them a 1-800 number. Um, so just to make sure that as you go deeper, it's not all about product, but it's about service too, that you really can unlock the potential with that smaller group and more, hopefully more money. So uh, Sean, go ahead. Yeah, I was I was just going to build on this idea that that when we, you know, everyone has to focus, at least in the vast majority of cases, I've not met too many people that have said, we've got so much spare resource, we're just going to have to go after the whole market, right? That's just not feasible. So people have to focus almost by default, you know, we, we literally can't attack the whole market with the vigor that we would like. So we have to choose. And then the question becomes not so much is, is narrowing our target at the right thing to do. Sometimes it's it's the only thing to do. It's choosing that right target. Back to what Tom was saying about how we prioritize and try and match both um, segments' needs with our ability to deliver on those needs. So in in some ways, you know, the, the, the question of should we focus or not is a moot point because invariably you, you have to, to some extent, or at least in the vast majority of cases, uh, you know, the key is where do you focus and picking the one that's going to give you the highest the highest yield. Well said. <laughs> That's very well said, Tom. Yep, I I, I agree. Um, wow, I'm going to start saying something more contentious in future so I can get a, a rise out of you guys. We need to argue about something. <laughs> I don't know. I think this is a pretty good one, but you you had a quotable quote on that well, I can one, argue so. with myself about something. I, I, I said something <laughs> earlier, and as I was saying it, I was like, wait a minute. I, I, I want to clarify something about Walmart. Because, you know, I started this whole thing talking about the magnetic effect of focus, right? 
And I said, you know, what happens is if you're, you're the irony of the whole thing is, is if you're really good, really unique, you tend to draw in different segments and, and different needs. And then I said that Walmart, when they actually try to draw in uh, other segments, fa failed at it by trying to move up scale. But I wanted to clarify something about that. I think that Walmart does pretty darn well by focusing on this everyday low price value proposition, right? And I think they do so well is that they, they really dominate with their target market. But I think a, a lot of people outside of the target market, when they really want to look for a good price on something, also go to Walmart. So that is the definition from my standpoint of the magnetic effect of focus. By staying and being so good at everyday low price, you draw in people that that's not always you know, their, their focus. But sometimes it is. And when they want to achieve that, a lot of times they'll go to Walmart. What I was really saying is, is by diluting and trying to reach as many companies do as, a, a, as an operationally excellent retailer and trying to be um, you know, more upscale and more you know, innovative or high priced, that's when the failure happens. And that is the, you know, the fallacy of overreaching. Mm. Sean? Any closing thoughts? Yeah, so the focus, well, the focus in that case is focusing on, you know, what we stand for as a business, what our core um, essence of our business is, and then making sure that, that where you focus your your efforts to, to win customers is in, is in sync with that. It's like a luxury brand offering cheap goods or vice versa. If it doesn't gel, I suppose, then then you can focus as much as you like, you'll still fail because you've got this overarching image of who you are and that has to um, tie together. So, so I guess focus doesn't just work in, in external terms, who we're looking to focus on. It's are, are we focused on building up this, this consistency with who, who we are and what we stand for? So it's a more interesting topic than I first thought when we started this, this podcast. <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, I have to say we've had some really great feedback on these podcasts and uh, some suggestions on what we what topics we should talk about next. So if you haven't given us something that you'd like for us to, to figure out in some way or you have a very strong opinion, we would love to hear about it. So please go to theaccidentalmarketer.com. Uh, and you can click on the podcast button within our website. And then, of course, you can go to iTunes and give a ratings. Uh, and we look forward to joining, uh, having you join us and us joining each other again on future episodes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>